Romans 5, 21. We'll read the last verse, then we'll go into Romans 6. We'll read 13 verses. That as sin hath reigned unto death, Romans 5, 21. As sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to know today that it matters how you live your life. Righteousness matters to God. Righteousness is just really simple. It means living right. It means being right and living right. And it says grace reigns through righteousness that leads us unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. How many want to have eternal life? You want to go to heaven forever? Eternal life? That's what he's talking about. Eternal life. And have eternal life. That's what Tim is enjoying right now. He's enjoying eternal life. This is what he lived his whole life for. He's enjoying eternal life. No more struggles now on his part. Eternal life. What shall we say then, Paul says in 6 and 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's like, so what do we say to that? Since we've been saved, should we just keep on sinning so that grace would just abound? Should we just keep living like we used to live? No, he said, he said verse 2, he said, God forbid. He's like, what kind of crazy thinking is that? God forbid, because how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How in the world? I'm dead to that. How could I continue to live therein? And he asks a somewhat rhetorical question. Know you not? He said, don't you know that so many of us as have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were baptized, we were baptized into the death of Christ. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Thank God for water baptism. And if you haven't been water baptized as an adult properly as they did it in the Bible, which is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the greatest decision that you can ever make is that I'm going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. Because he said, when that happens, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Our old life is buried. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in a newness of life. When the old life is done away, we've got a new life in Christ through the power of the Spirit. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, he said, that our old man is crucified with Christ. Now, let's just make a little determining factor here. He's not talking about your dad. The old man is crucified with Christ. Well, my dad is. No, that's not what it's saying. The old, you know what it means by the old man? What he's saying is what I used to be, the lifestyle that I used to live, the sinner that I used to be, the old man, the old person, because I'm not that anymore when I've been born again in Christ. Amen? He said, my old man has been crucified with him. The old man, the old life is dead. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Wow. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We're freed from sin when we're dead with Christ. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead <clears throat> dieth no more. 
death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And he said, likewise, in like manner, this is what we should do, reckon. I'm going to be a good southerner this morning. I'm going to say, I reckon. I reckon. Isn't that what the Bible says? He said, reckon, count yourselves, make this consideration. Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. So if you're born again, can you lift your hand up right now? Can you say, I'm dead to sin. Sin doesn't rule in my life anymore. Amen. He said, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive. Thank God I'm alive. I'm alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because of that, he said, let not sin therefore reign or rule or dominate you in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, Lord, thank you. We have read the Bible right now. We have read the power of the Scriptures. This is your word. This is your will. This is your plan. This is uh, your will for us. And I pray, O oh God, incorporate this word. Help us to be receptive. Help us to have open hearts. And help us, great God, to receive this truth. We ask it and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you this morning. Thank you for standing. Now, I want to... I wanna talk this morning on a subject, I want to talk about the world's greatest problem and God's greatest solution. The world's greatest problem and God's greatest solution. You know the world's got a problem, in case you didn't know. You know, all you got to do is look around a little while, and I realize one of the things about this whole subject, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive deep, and I want you to buckle your seatbelt. I want you to get ready. I want you to be attentive and think about what I'm saying here today. And uh, because there may not be any place else in the world other than in the church that this subject is addressed with any sense of reality and any sense of truthfulness. The world's greatest problem. The world's greatest problem. And the thing about the world's greatest problem that I find absolutely amazing is that nobody is talking about it. Nobody is talking about it. Not only is nobody talking about it, the truth is, in most senses in the world today, you know what? Nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to hear about it. You talk about denial with a capital D. You talk about an inability and an unwillingness in any kind of way, and the, the unique thing about it is we hold in our hands this wonderful Bible. Don't you love the Word of God? I love the Word of God. It's one of the biggest terms. It is literally the reason why every single word of the Word of God is written is literally written to address the world's biggest problem. It's amazing, though it's the world's biggest problem, it's a word that nobody talks about. I dare you to, to just try to tune in and try to find someone that's addressing this. It's interesting to me. If it's literally the world's biggest problem, and yet 
literally there is no one that's talking about it. As a matter of fact, this word that I'm going to mention, it's a word that society is avoiding like the plague. Everybody's pretending with a capital P. They're pretending like, what you're talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't Huh? Really? And yet it is obvious as the nose on our face. It is the biggest problem in the world, and yet nobody's talking about it. As a matter of fact, not only are they not talking about it, it's almost as if the attitude is that they are banning the word. They're banning the word from public usage. They're saying, you can't say that. You can't talk about that. You can't name that. You can't call that out. you got to be kidding me. I, I dare you this morning to try to find it on a news station, the word that I'm talking about here today. I dare you to find one news commentator. I dare you to, to look in one movie and hear this word. The word it's, and yet it's the world's greatest problem. You, you find one movie where the world's greatest problem is talked about and it is named for what it is. You won't find it. You can go on Instagram and you can, you can scan through Instagram. I dare you to try to find it. You can go to social media. You try to go to Facebook and see if, literally, you would think if it's the greatest problem in the world, people would be talking about it. You'd think people would be addressing it. You'd think people would say, you know what the problem in the world is? This is the problem in the world. And we got to fix this problem in the world. I will tell you this. They're misallocating. They're misplacing the blame. They're blaming the problems in the world on everything else. Come on, somebody. They're blaming the problems of our world on everything else under the sun other than having the courage to actually name what the real problem in the world is. Nobody wants to talk about it. Find one news anchor that will call it out. As a matter of fact, it's like in the world, it's crickets. Nobody's talking about it. You'll be met, if you say the word that I'm fixing to say here, you're going to be met with silence or you're going to be met with defiance, one or the other. How dare you? Are you telling me? You know why? Because nobody's wrong anymore. Even when people are wrong, they're not wrong. And, I, I, and again, I just, I really felt like I wanted the Lord to help me to have the right tone in this message here today. I'm not here to scream at the darkness. I'm not here to, to curse the problems. All I'm here to do as a preacher is to identify the problem, Holy Ghost, because you can't fix the problem until you identify the problem. You can't address the problem until you call the problem out. And everybody's like, ain't no problem. Everything's good. You know, it's this. This is the problem. Oh, this is the problem. And they're misplacing blame. Oh, this is the problem. Oh, this is, this is what's going on. This is, nobody is calling it out for what it is. What is the problem? What is the world's greatest problem? I'm going to say it because I, I got to say it at some point. I mean, right? Right? We got to say it at some point. And I'm going to say it because you're, you're not going to hear it anywhere else. You're not going to hear it on social media. You're not going to hear it in movies. You're not going to hear news commentaries. You're not going to read it in a magazine. You're not going to find it anywhere in contemporary culture. Nobody's talking about it. You go to the psychologist. Psychologists aren't going to tell you what the problem is. They're going to tell you everything else. They're going to tell you just make yourself happy. Whatever you got to do to make yourself happy. Let me tell you what the world's greatest problem is. The world's greatest problem is sin. The world's greatest problem is sin. 
But you know what? Nobody's wrong anymore. Nobody's wrong. Everybody's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're good. <laughs> We're good. We're all good. It's all good. I'm good. As a matter of fact, how dare you tell me this isn't right? problem with it is everybody is told over and over and over again, man, you're good. Everything's all right. You're okay. You're okay. We're all good people. Can I tell you something? We're not all good people. <laughs> We're going to go where angels fear to tread today. There's none good, God said, not one. Go walk around in this world today and tell a bunch of people, that's all right, Bubba, you're good. You're, good. you're a good guy. You're a good you're a good girl. You're good. No, they're not. They're not good. That's the problem in our world today. I'm not, I'm not here to curse the darkness, but we better identify some things. Everybody's being told today, forget it. Forget it. You're okay. Deny it. You're okay. Do your own thing. Just do your own thing. You're okay. Make yourself happy. Whatever you got to do to make yourself happy. What a lie sent from the very pit of hell from Satan's mouth himself. What a lie. Just make yourself happy. Do whatever you got to do. Do whatever you got to do. You make yourself happy. And you know what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I say the word, the world's greatest problem, the word, the word is sin. And the truth is, in a lot of ways, people don't like the word and they don't like the concept. Let me tell you why they don't like the concept. The, 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 many times in my life, there were times in my life, especially before Jesus, I didn't like the word. I didn't like the word sin. I didn't like the word sin because I didn't want somebody to draw a line in the sand and listen up, church, and say, this is right and this is wrong. But can I tell you today, there is an absolute truth and there are some things that are right and there are some things that are wrong. And when I do what is wrong, it's called sin. Humanity wants the ambiguity of personal and situational morality. It's okay. It's okay that I did this. It's okay that I did this. And the problem in this world is sin. Let me tell you the bigger problem here. In all of this, this, this denial that's happening in society today, and everybody's like, man, it's all good. You can do whatever you want. You believe whatever you want. You can. I mean, you can. But you can't believe and do whatever you want without suffering the ramifications and repercussions of that. So people, the truth is, I think deep down inside in our society right now, people deep down inside are broken. Come on, look around for a little while. You would think in America, with all of our technological adv advantages, you would think in America, literally, do we realize that we are the richest country in the history of the world? Do we, do we recognize that? We are living in the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. We got iPhones. We got iPads. We got computers. Uh, we got entertainment. We got things to do. We got medical advances. We got technological advances. And why is it somehow or another that still, despite all of the these advantages that have been given to our country and to the people of our world today, deep down inside, I think people recognize that something is wrong. We have all this stuff. We have all these things. We have all these creature comforts. We have all these extras. Our world is filled with all this different stuff, and yet at the same time, the truth is that people are looking at their lives and they're like, but it's not working. My life isn't working. I think if people would be truthful with themselves, they may in their mind philosophically say, I disagree with that, I disagree with that. But the truth is, people deep down inside know there is a brokenness. There is a hurt. There is a shame. 
There is something that people are dealing with in their life. Why is there such high degree of anxiety in our world today? Why in the world is there so much depression in our world today? Why is it there's just too many problems, folks? Amen? Look around in our world today. Racism and anger and violence and shame and guilt and abuse and all of this confusion and all these issues. And, and I think people are saying deep down inside, even though there's a part of them that wants to reject the absolute truth of the matter, I think deep down inside there is a deep cry in humanity that's saying, is there a way out of this? Can I really experience a good life? Can I really have what, can I have a happy life? Can I really rise above the problems? Can I, can I get past the shame? Can I get past living in pain every day of my life? Can, can I get to a place where life really works and uh, not having identified with the world's greatest problem? But I got good news on a Sunday morning today that there is a solution to the greatest problem in the world. And I thank God that though, though there is problems in our world today, there is a solution to the biggest problem in the world. And that solution is Jesus Christ. Uh, and the gospel of the cross and a good God that came from heaven to earth to deliver us from our sins and unrighteousness and iniquity and he's such a good God that he wants to lift us out of the problems of life and give us a good life and to bless us with what it is that I think every human being deeply wants inside of their hearts. They deeply want it. And people are asking the question, is there a way out? How, how, do, I, how do I make my way to a better life? How do I find that? We've got to identify the problem, first of all. And the world's greatest problem is this thing called sin. God told Adam and Eve, he said, the day that you eat of that fruit, he said, the day you do it, you're dead. The day that you eat it, you shall die. When Eve ate of that fruit and gave it to Adam, and Adam ate of that fruit from that point forward, it introduced into the world today a chaos, a cataclysm of pain and sickness and death. Can I remind us as the church here this morning that when God says no, he means no. When God says this is sin and I don't want you to do it, this is sin. When God says no, he means no. He's still the boss of the universe, last time I checked. We can't get to the good stuff until we deal with the bad stuff. I want to get to the good stuff this morning, but we can't get there until we deal with the bad stuff. The bad stuff is this thing called sin. We look in our world and there is chaos and there is death and there is murder and there is rape and it's all as a result, listen, of sin because God said don't do this. Let me tell you something about God. God's so good. Anytime that he places a parameter and he puts a boundary and he says, I don't want you to do this, listen up. God, doesn't, God does not put a parameter around sin in our life to keep us from our fun. He puts parameters in our life to keep us from our pain. Anything that is off limits in God's world, anything that God says, I don't want you to do this, he doesn't do this just because he says, you know, I want your life to be a pain. I want you to hate life. No, what he wants to do is say, I want to save you from the pain that's going to come as a result of, of engaging and gorging in things that have the capacity to break you down. I'm so glad that a good God doesn't want us to sin for good reasons, he doesn't want us to sin for good reasons, and that is that he wants us to have a good life, a blessed life, and he knows that if I partake, just like Adam and Eve did of that forbidden fruit, that that forbidden fruit is going to be, bring chaos and pain and ultimate death in my life. 
And it brings devastation and destruction and despair into my life. But God's got better than that for us. He's got good things in store for our life. He's got blessing in store for our life. But we got to identify the world's greatest problem is this thing called sin. And so I would say as children of God that we have the right view of sin is so important. The right view of sin is so important. In other words, the way that the mentality that we have, the world minimizes sin. The world takes away the severity of sin. The world takes away the shock value. The world wants to normalize things that are wrong and say, you know, it's okay if that's what you want to do. Listen, sin is dangerous. Sin is a loaded gun. Sin is a knife that can be plunged into the heart of somebody and kill them graveyard dead. Amen. It's crazy to me, all of this gun legislation stuff and everything, and I'm not going to get all political here this morning because that's not my aim, that's not my purpose, but isn't it amazing? Can I tell you something that probably the, the, some of the biggest crimes that happen in America, you know where they happen? They happen in gun-free zones. They happen in places where there's more laws against guns and there's more gun control and all that, and what do you know? There's, there's, more, there's more terrible things that happen where there's more law. Why is that? Because the problem isn't the gun. A gun doesn't arbitrarily shoot itself off. The problem's not the gun. The problem is the person that holds the gun in their hand. The problem is the world's full of sinners. And if you take guns away from good people that are able to defend themselves, then guess what? The criminals really like that because the problem isn't an inanimate object. The problem is the person that picks up that inanimate object with a nefarious motive in mind. Because what are you saying? What I'm saying is the problem of the world is sin. That's the problem. It's like a loaded gun. Come on, it's like a bomb. It's like poison. It's like a knife. It's dangerous. And while the world minimizes it and the world takes away the severity and the shock value of it, we who are saved, we that are in the kingdom of God, we see sin for what it really is. We realize that it was sin that broke us. We realize that it was sin that messed our lives up. We realize that we, we were half out of our mind because of sin. We realize that we had shame in our life and we hated getting up in the morning because of sin and we realized that it was sin that mixed me up and messed me up and broke me it was the wrong decisions in life that I made that tore me apart but thank God there was a day that Jesus came to raise me up above my sin and give me victory over the world's greatest problem because the world's greatest problem is sin but thank God that he came to deliver us from our sins and we who are the children of God can never look at sin the same way again. We can't. When we eat the forbidden fruit of sin, it breaks us. And I know it's not popular. You know the sad thing about it? You're not going to hear it anywhere in the world. Let me tell you the, the even sadder thing about it is we don't even hear about it in church hardly anymore. You know how many churches have redefined sin now? The United Methodist Church, the church that I grew up in, is now, which I think is based out of the Twin Cities. They had a major convention in there, and the United Methodist Church is splitting down the middle. You know what's splitting down the middle about? It's splitting down the middle over the issue of homosexuality and whether a bishop or a pastor of a church can be a practicing homosexual <clears throat> or not. 
So in other words, the pulpits are now growing silent. Not only do you not, you don't hear it on the news, you don't hear it, you don't read it in the newspaper, you don't see it on your social media feed, you don't see it anywhere else. You can't even, a lot, you can't even go into a lot of churches, and churches aren't even talking about it anymore. And I'm telling you, it's a disgrace. Because the biggest problem in the world is sin. The biggest problem in the world that's messing up America with all of its money and all that we have in terms of prosperity, America's biggest problem right now is sin, and nobody wants to talk about it. I think we need an old-fashioned revival in the church that our eyes pop back open and we start to see things as they really are. We're not out to impress this culture. We're not, we are not out to make this culture happy, but we are out to see this culture converted to Christianity and their lives changed by the power of God and by the presence of God, which comes as a recognition of realizing what is the worst thing that has ever happened to the world, and that is sin. And when people eat the forbidden fruit of sin, it breaks them. Lurking everywhere is the enemy of mankind. Pills, morphine, fentanyl, hydrocodone, oxycodone, meth, speed, heroin, cocaine, LSD, PCP, Adderall, needles, bowls, and bongs, smoking and toking, and people's lives are going down the toilet. Thing about sin is it always it always overpromises and underdelivers. It always says it's gonna it's gonna make you so happy. It's gonna make you, and I'm not and, and I mentioned this at nine o'clock and I'll do the same thing here today. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be as truthful as I know how to be out of the scripture. I'm not saying that sin at times is not fun, and I certainly can't say because the Bible is clear. I can't say that sin is not pleasurable because it obviously is, or so many people wouldn't be doing it. But the thing about sin, the pleasures of sin are for season. So sin will show you, man, that first toke, that first high. Wow, man, that sent me places I've never been before. Wow, that was so good. That first sexual experience. Wow, that was so wonderful. But sin will never show you the guy that's standing there on skid row with spittle in his beard and snot on his face and bloodshot eyes. And he's now served 10 years in prison and he's lost everything and lost his family. Sin will never show you the end result of where it leads you. Sin will never show you uh, syphilis and gonorrhea and sexually transmitted diseases. It just shows you the pleasure side. It doesn't show you the end side. It never shows you the end of what it produces. It just says, look at how fun this is. We who are wise understand the end result of sin, and according to the Bible, the end result of sin is what? It is death. Jack Daniels, whiskey, rum, beer, wine, vodka, mixed drinks, Immorality, promiscuity, porn, on the phone, porn, on paper, prostitutes, whoremongers, premarital sex, perversion, seduction, adultery. We're just going to call it all out here this morning. Adultery, homosexuality. See what I did there? Homosexuality is a sin. Homosexual sex is a sin. See what I did there? It's okay. I'll stand up here all by myself because it's the Bible and it's the truth. But you notice what I did there. I didn't single it out any more than any other one. Adultery is a sin. Premarital sex is a sin. These things are sin. Pornography is a sin. The Bible calls it pornea. Those things are all sin. And they're destroying people's lives. Anger and wrath and rage and bitterness. Murder, homicide, suicide, abortion. See what I did there? I put them all in there the same. Murder is wrong. Amen? 
Abortion is wrong. I don't care what America says. God's word doesn't change. Abortion is wrong. Killing a child in the womb is wrong. Amen. Prison, running from the cops. There are people that have visited our church here and said, man, I used to love running from the cops. That was fun. I love running from the cops. I love getting in my car and pedal the metal running from the cops. Well, that doesn't always end too well. Just FYI. Playing, pretending, pain, loneliness, self-pity, self-loathing, self-harm, mental torment, demonic oppression and possession, devils and demons and all the power of the enemy. Sin brings all these things. Premature death. Premature death. Ultimately, sin brings hell, eternal damnation, death, eternal torment. That's ultimately what, what sin brings. It brings destruction, pride, and power trips, and control issues, and manipulation. How many know what I'm talking about? Narcissism, abuse, regret, poverty, laziness, divorce, spousal maintenance, child support, stepdads, stepmoms, family regret, ignorance, stupidity. And I'm not here to just place blame. I'm not here to pile shame upon shame. I'm just here to call this out for what it is in the Word of God because these are the things that are wrecking people's lives and destroying people's lives. And it is the world's greatest problem. The world's greatest problem is not who's in the White House or who's not in the White House. The world's biggest problem is not legislation. The world's biggest problem is this thing called sin. And the world goes into chaos. And lives are broken. And children are abused. And people are unhappy. And are we surprised? Because it's a result of sin. And so people become sinners. Now this is going to be very profound if you're taking notes here this morning. People become sinners because they sin. And you know what? They become sinners become they, because they sin. And when, when people sin, then they sin more. And the more people sin, the more they sin. The more people sin, the more they sin. And sin begets more sin. And sin, then sin becomes what people do as a result of who they are. People that sin, they sin more. They become sinners, and then they sin more. Why? Because they are sinners, because sin begets more sin. How many know what I'm talking about? It's not about the first cigarette. It's about the 9,999, you know what I'm saying? Because it begets more of the same. And so how do you become a sinner? You become a sinner by sinning. And there's nobody in this, this room that has ever been exempt from that. We've all sinned, and we became sinners as a result. And so there's an inclination that is born, a decision, a decision somewhere or another that then becomes an action. And so there's a thought that becomes a decision, and that decision becomes an action. And all of a sudden, that action begets sin. And when it's committed, it is a sin. But then that, that act, that singular act of sin becomes a habit. And now it's not just, oh, I sinned this one time. Now I go back to that sin, and I do that sin again. And that habit, and I do it again. And it's not just that I had a single drink, I had another drink. And then, man, when I get up in the morning, I think about having a drink. And then, then you know, it's, it's at noon, I want another cigarette. And then, oh, I want to go to that party, it's at night. And then that sin begets more sin. And then that, that sin that was an act became a habit, and now that habit has become a lifestyle. And when someone consistently commits the acts of sin, what happens? They become sinners. Are we surprised? Sinners sin. 
and they sin over and over again. They sin in the morning. They sin at noon. They sin at night. They sin and wake up thinking about sinning. When, when am I going to when am I going to do this in, again? I'm going to sin in the morning, sin in the afternoon. I'm going to sin at night. And sinners sin, and that's what we did all of our lives. That's what we did is sin. Are you depressed yet? We did until someone came along and told us there was a better way to live life. Until someone came along and said, there's a way out. I know everybody you see and everybody you know is all doing the same thing. Old adage, everybody's doing it, and mostly not everybody, but but a lot of people, and everybody's doing it. I got good news. I don't have to just go along along with everybody. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. I can live above sin. I can live the life that God wants me to live. I can live a life of righteousness, and I can live a life of joy, and I can live a life of peace, and I don't have to sin in the morning, sin in the afternoon, and sin at night. As a matter of fact, guess what? Saints of God, God helps us not to sin. So here we go. I'm just, we're going to put a fine point on this, and then we'll move on because I'm depressing myself the more I talk about sin. But it's true. we got to identify what the problem is. This is the problem, folks. The problem in our world is sin. If you look around the dear people that you love and you look in their lives, they're just going down the toilet or they're unhappy and they're full of shame and life's not working for them. The reason it's not working for them, it's one single problem. The problem is sin. The problem is sin. Proverbs 5 and 22, notice what it says here, Proverbs 5 and 22. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and notice what it says, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall be holden with the cords of his sins. And so, this is not Blake right now, just so you know. This is not Blake. This is Joe Schmo from Kokomo. Because Blake's a good guy. But this is Joe, and Joe all of a sudden says, man, I want to go to that party, and I'm going to have, I'm gonna, I, I've never drank before, this is going to be my first drink, and I don't know, I'm a little scared, but man, they tell me it's really good, and he has his first drink, and he's like, woo, whoa, I'm a, I, I need to do that again, I need to try that again, oh, that was, that, that tasted good, I need to try that again, he goes to the party, and and he starts rocking and rolling and dancing like a wild man. And then somebody gives him his first, his first drug. He's never tried that. He says, you know, I'm, I'm a little scared. I've never done this. I'm going to do this again. I'm going to try this again. And then, then, then he smokes that first doobie. Then he says, you know what, I, I want to try cigarettes too. And the only thing that can come out of Blake's mouth now, when he was young, he had kind of a clean mouth. But now, Blake, every other word is a four-letter word. And Blake... You know, he's just, he's just trying the next new thing. And then, you know, now it's not just a matter of something that, that he really wants to. Now he feels like, man, now i got to go there. i got to try this again and again. And in the beginning, what used to be just a thought that came into his mind, now it's something he's got to do over and over again. Now he's got, now he's got pornography issues. Now he's trying porn. Now he's got porn all over him. And he gets up and, and, and he remembered what that person did to him when he was young and he's angry with them. He's got so much anger in his life and he's now he's, he's bitter. 
He says, man, if I ever get a chance, I'll kill him. That's what I'll do. He's angry. He's got bitterness. He's been hurt. But now, in addition to all this sin, he's got shame, too. Now he feels bad. He wakes up in the morning. He's not happy with life. Now he's, now he's depressed. He's got depression issues. And now he's got anger issues. Now he's a narcissist. Everything is just about him now. How can he have more pleasure in his life? How can he have what he wants? And the Bible gives us the picture when it calls it the cords of sin. And here's what I want to propose this morning. And now he's got to get up and go to work today. How, how easy you think it is to, to go to work when you're carrying this. We're going to be real careful toward the edge here. How easy is it, is it to go about life? How e- easy is it to have a marriage when you're weighed down with all the shame of the past? Uh, and you, you got all these issues inside. And let me tell you what we do. Uh, let me tell you what, what, what people do. They lift up their head and they put on their best plastic smile. I'm good. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's great. You put on that best smile. And yet... Joe Sinner here is walking around, and he's still carrying a heavy, heavy load. He knows what he did now, and that's, that adds insult to the injury because now he knows all the wrong things that he's done in his life. Now he feels bad about it. Now he's weighed down with condemnation in his life. Now he knows. Even if we pretend and say, oh, we can be in denial all day long, he still knows, man, I'm not, I'm not, a, real, I'm not a good person. I, I've done so many bad things in my life. I've done so many bad things in my life. No wonder it's hard. For so many people in life, and their life isn't working out. No wonder there's so many people in our world today, and they may put on their best A game, and, but, but man, they're on their third marriage now, and now they're suicidal. Their anger is out of control. They're in trouble with the law. They're popping pills to fight their depression. No wonder it's because of the world's greatest problem. It's called sin. And they're carrying it around everywhere they go. And they're trying to do life, but they don't have liberty. They don't have joy. They don't have happiness. Why? Because of the world's greatest problem. But can I tell you that for the world's greatest problem, God's got his greatest solution. There is a solution that comes from God for the world's greatest problem. Amen. God's greatest solution is a place called Calvary. It's a place of the cross. It's when God became a man. And that good God that had never sinned and never done wrong, he loved us so much that he came into our lives. And he says, Joe, I don't want you to be carrying this on your life anymore. Joe, as a matter of fact, all of this sin that you got on your life, Jesus came to the world because he wants to deliver us from all of our sins. And he can do it so carefully so that he does not strangle the person in the midst of their deliverance. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, Joe, I'll take all your sins. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus took them upon himself. I thank God today for a Savior. I thank God for a God that loved us so much that he said, I'll take your sins away. The world's greatest problem is sin. But let me tell you about a God that's better and bigger and more wonderful than your sin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've gone. I don't 
care how dark things have been, things that you're ashamed of. I thank God that we've got a God that came to take away our shame. He came to take away our sin. He came to lay them upon an old rugged cross called Calvary. He loved us so much that he came to take our sins away so that we don't have to die in our sins. We got a God that took them off of us, took them upon himself and said, I'll pay the price for your sin. I'll take your sins away. God's greatest solution is the cross. Clap your hands on the Lord. Let's reach out to Jesus today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus came to take all of our sins away. So you know the problem? It is a real problem in our world today. Sin is a problem. But church, we've also got a great solution. And the solution is Jesus. The solution is Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Can we magnify the Lord and thank him for that? Oh, hallelujah. Let's thank God for that. Let's do that. Let's thank the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's thank God for the solution. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you, God. You've come to take away our sins. You've come to take our sins away so that we're not bound in them any longer. Lord, this world has a hope today because, Jesus, you came to take away all of their sins, each and every one of them. You died that every sin might be eradicated and cleansed by the power of your blood. Oh, hallelujah. Put your hands together and thank the Lord today. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. And I want you to know here, if you're here today and you're carrying sins in your life. And while I was preaching and I was, I was talking, maybe God was talking to you. And in your mind, something popped in your head and you got guilt in your heart and guilt in your mind. Listen, God doesn't want you to live with that guilt. God doesn't want you to be like Joe Schmo and continue to carry that around in your life. I tell you what you need to do. You need to park those sins at the cross, at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm giving this sin to you. Jesus, I'm repenting of this sin because I'm not owning this anymore. Come on, church. I'm not owning it anymore. I'm not going to keep on with this. I'm not going to keep on sinning because God's got a better thing for me. It's not mine anymore. I'm not taking it anymore. I'm not carrying it anymore because Jesus took my sins away. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Jesus paid it all. Jesus died to deliver us from all of these sins. He died to deliver us from the things that used to bind us up. I am so thankful this morning for the liberty that I have in Jesus Christ that I am no longer bound by the things that used to bind me. And it's not because we're good people. It's because we have a good God that put the power in us so that we're not bound by what we used to be bound with. 
See, the cords, this is the problem. But the cross, this is the solution. The cords are the problem, but the cross is the solution. But can I say this morning, you can't have both. Jesus is the solution, and sins are the problem. And listen up, listen up. You can't have both. You can't have Jesus and sin. You have Jesus or sin. And what that means is every day that we wake up, we say, which am I going to choose today? Am I going to follow sin or am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to do what I want or am I going to do what God wants? I can't have both at the same time. Now, this is where, and and I'm going to wrap up here, but this is where I really felt like I needed to land. All that was preemptive to this is the core of the message that I felt like for God's people today. Romans chapter 6. Notice we read it. Let's go through it again quickly. Romans chapter 6. Or actually 521. Therefore, or that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace, grace, grace. How many is thankful for grace? I thank God for grace. Grace is God's power that comes into our life that says, hey, there's a better way. That's what grace is. Grace is that surge that comes into your life that says, you know what? I don't have to be what I've always been. It's that surge that says there's a better way. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have that better life. That's, that's God's grace. Grace, but it reigns through righteousness. It reigns through right living. It, re- it reigns through obedience to God. I, w- I can't have grace and be doing a bunch of stupid stuff over and over again. That's not how it works. He said grace reigns through righteousness, which leads unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. My other scripture says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Remember that scripture? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. What does that mean? What that means is if you land in the wickedest city in the world that's got the most sins in it, there is no place that has so many sins that is so wicked and defiled and evil. There is no place in the world that's got so much sins that the grace of God is not greater than all of those sins. I want you to know this morning because the devil's going to lie to some of you, and he's maybe already done that. He's told some of you that, man, you've gone too far, you've done too much. Some people never come to church in the first place because they feel like they've done so many bad things that they could never find forgiveness with Jesus, and that is a lie right from the pits of hell, which is why the Bible says where sin abounds, where there's a lot of sin, there's more grace to overcome that sin. It doesn't matter how far somebody's gone, there's enough grace that can meet them in their moment, that can meet them in that exact time that no matter what they've done in life there's enough grace that can say hey God says I'll deliver you from that I don't care how long you struggled with it you can overcome that you can be better than that God's grace comes into a person's life no matter how wicked and evil there is no terrible awful situation that is so bad that there's not an equal and greater amount of grace that is available to overcome in the most wicked of situations there is a greater degree of grace that is available for maybe the high degree of sin that is there. So do you get, you get the equation? No matter how much heaping sin is, there is that much more grace that is available. Now, Paul was a grace preacher, so he preached that kind of grace. He preached that kind of forgiveness. But there were those that were misinterpreting his words and saying, see what Paul said? A lot of sin means a lot of grace. So... If a lot of sin means a lot of grace, then maybe we ought to sin a lot more because then that will give us a lot more grace. 
That's what Paul was dealing with, specifically in Romans 6. What shall we say then, verse number 1? Paul's like, what do we say about that? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's like, should we keep on sinning? Because remember, if there's sin, then there's grace. So, you know, the end result should be, well, then sin more because then there will be more grace. Shall we? Con- so what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin? Verse 1, that grace may abound? What does he say? Verse number 2, God forbid. Can I translate that for you? Are you out of your ever-living, loving mind? I think that's how Paul would say it in America. Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Are you crazy? Because remember, sin is death, right? It's the world's greatest problem. And he's saying, church, because it's the greatest problem in the world, we don't embrace it. We've been delivered from it. Sin doesn't hold us hostage anymore because of the cross, because of the blood, because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Sin doesn't hold us anymore. We're not held captive. We can't say like Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. Listen, the devil can't make you do nothing if you've been born again of the water and the spirit. The power of sin has been destroyed in our lives if we've been born again. Sin does not have dominion over us anymore if we've been saved and born again. That's literally what he's saying. He's like, are you kidding me? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? How can we live any longer therein? Verse number three, know you not? He's like, I mean, don't you know? I mean, aren't, aren't, don't you know? So many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Thank God for water baptism. You know why? It's a defining line. It is a dividing line and a defining line. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, it says right here, You're baptized into Jesus Christ. You're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by by baptism into death. What does that mean? When you are water baptized in the name of Jesus, you go down in the waters. You are identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. And what that means is when it said, remember, we, we qualified the old man is crucified with Christ. That's not talking about your dad. That's talking about the old you, what you used to be, the whoremonger. The drunkard, the defiler, all those things, the thief, the liar. You couldn't tell the truth standing on the Bible looking at Jesus. You lied when you didn't have to lie. But all of a sudden, you were buried with Christ in baptism. You were buried, the old person, and you came up out of those waters. And now you were fresh and new and clean is a brand new baby that was just born. You had a new life in Christ. Your new life is there. And now you're fresh and you're clean and you're free. And, 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 and he's reminding them, he said, don't you know that when you were baptized, you were baptized into his death? Don't you know that when, when you were baptized, it's like the old person was crucified with Christ and all of those sins were eradicated and washed away? You're buried with him in baptism. Amen? Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him right here. The old man, the old life, the old Ron Lichter, what I used to be. The old drinking, carousing, swearing, no good, dirty-hearted person that I used to be was crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be destroyed and that henceforth we should not serve sin. I prayed for revelation here this morning. I hope, I hope you're getting it. Look at your neighbor and tell them you shouldn't serve sin any longer. Come on, say it. Help me out here. You should not serve sin. We don't serve sin any longer. We don't do it. 
We don't, we don't serve sin any longer. No, we don't. That we should not serve sin. No, we don't. For he that is dead is freed from sin. You ever, you ever been to a funeral? You ever, you ever seen a guy in the casket? Is, is, is there any concern that he's going to go smoke a cigarette or go get stoned or get drunk? Dead people don't sin. Doesn't get any more profound than that. You got to work with me a little bit here. Dead people don't sin. Dead people don't sin. Dead people don't sin. If we've been crucified with Christ and our old life is dead, guess what? We stop sinning. I said we stop sinning. There's so much stupid stuff I see on social media, Christian people that are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. You know why? Because Christian people would say, oh, we all sin. We're all just sinners. <laughs> Praise Jesus. We're all sinners. You can call yourself a sinner. I ain't a sinner no more. This Bible tells me right, right here. The old man was crucified with Christ. I'm not a, not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint of a living God. The power of the Holy Ghost has come into my body. Amen. The old nature has been crucified. The, the sin used to have dominion over me. I used to not be able to help it. Don't you say I can't help it anymore. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost, you absolutely can help it, and you absolutely should help it because you look at sin and say, I hate that because that's what took was taking me to hell. That's what was breaking me down. That's what was making me suicidal. That's what was making me hate life. But now I've got freedom in Jesus. Uh, now I've been born again. Now I'm not what I used to be, and the old man has been crucified with Christ, uh, and now I'm dead says I'm freed from sin verse 7 he that is dead is freed from sin now I'm freed from sin I don't got a sin anymore come on how many of us used to BC before Christ we were like we couldn't go a day without it you, you fill in the blank whatever your you know Whatever your sin of choice was. We couldn't go a day without. We couldn't do, go a day without swearing. We couldn't go a day without drink. Couldn't go a day without whatever. Couldn't go a day without. But all of a sudden now, guess what? We don't just go days. We go weeks and months because God has delivered us. And we are freed from sin. We're not bound up that, oh, I have to do that. I have to think that way. I have to. No, no, no. I don't have to do that anymore because the Bible says I've been freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ being raised, verse number 9, from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse number 11, likewise, remember this word, reckon. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. You've got to reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that mean? I've got to now begin to count myself, and I need to now say, hey, wait a second. When sin comes knocking on my door, which it will, sin's going to come knocking on your door. When sin comes knocking on my door, what I do is I say, wait a second, I reckon myself. I'm dead unto that. Am I going to do that sin when sin comes knocking? No, 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 because remember the old man was crucified with Christ. i got a new life right now. I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to what I used to be. So when sin comes knocking, I reckon myself, no, I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I was buried in the name of the Lord, and I am reckoning myself to be dead unto sin. 
Verse number 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Because I've been born again, I'm not letting it rule me. I'm not letting sin rule me because I'm born again. I've been saved. I'm not letting sin rule my life anymore because I don't have to. People say, I can't help myself. Oh, yes, you can if you're born again. We have the power of God to help us. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You know why? That's why we need a prayer life. We need a prayer life because in prayer life, we access, we yield our instruments. Now, Lord, today, it's a brand new day. God, you gave me this physical body. Help me to bring honor to your name. Help me to live a holy life today. Lord, help me to be honorable. If you're struggling with swearing, welcome to the club. So did I. So did I. But you know what you do if you're born again? You say, thank God, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I can't let sweet and bitter come out of the same mouth. Oh, Lord, help me today. Let the thoughts of my heart and the, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable unto you, oh, God. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm submitting myself unto you. Lord, I'm yielding my members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The 14 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin can't rule us anymore, we that are born again, because the world's greatest problem is sin. But God's greatest solution is Jesus and the blood and the cross. I'm not a sinner anymore. I am a saint, saint of the living God. I will close with this as the musicians come. From this point forward, we will never look at sin same way again. As the church, we can never look at sin the same way again if I'm in the church because sin is out to kill us. But Jesus is out to save us. Sin is out to kill us, but Jesus is out to save us. You know what that means? That means when sin comes knocking on my door, I go, I run from sin. No, no, I don't want that. Nope, 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 nope. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Nope. I don't want sin. And you know what I do? But then I run to Jesus. I'm running to Jesus. I'm running from sin. I'm running from sin. And I'm running to Jesus. I'm running from sin. It's not getting any more complicated than this. Something you can take home with you. I'm running from sin. I'm running to Jesus. Over and over and over and over and over today and tomorrow and Tuesday. Wednesday, I'm running from sin, and I'm running to Jesus, running to Jesus. You know why? Because I can't have both. I can't have sin and Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I can't have sin and Jesus. I can only have sin or Jesus. It's one or the other. I can't have both. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 6. I can't have sin and Jesus at the same time. You say, are you sure about that? Well, let me just 
Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening. God bless you. You can't have both. So I'm going to pose a, a scenario to you. And um, husbands and wives that are here, I'll, I'll pose it to you. Maybe husbands, um, we did this at 9 o'clock, had an interesting reaction. Husbands, maybe, maybe you want to look at your life, wife, okay? Look at your wife, husbands, and say, Honey, can I have you and a girlfriend at the same time? How's that working out? How's that going? Is that working out real good? Okay, wives, look at your husband and say, Honey, can I have you and a boyfriend at the same time? I know it's sacrilegious. It really is. It's about as smart as someone saying, I want, I'll have Jesus and I'll have my sin at the same time. You can't have both. You can't be married and have a boyfriend or girlfriend on the side. It doesn't work that way. You can't have Jesus and sentence. You can't be a police officer and a drug dealer at the same time, or at least you shouldn't be. You can't be a judge and a criminal at the same time. You can't be a prostitute and a virgin at the same time. They're incompatible. You can't play for the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers at the same time. You have one or you have the other. But thank God, thank God, I can walk away from sin and I can say, Jesus, I'm walking with you for the rest of my life. And of the two choices I have, I can either die in my sin or I can die to my sin. I don't know about you. I thank God our dear brother went to be with the Lord this morning. And I'll tell you what, he didn't die in sin, but he did die to sin. There came a time when, when all of us say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to crucify this flesh. Oh, hallelujah. Because the world's greatest problem is sin, and I'm going to hate sin with all my heart and soul. But I thank God the world's greatest solution is in my heart and in my life. It's Jesus. And I've got Jesus in my life. I got Jesus helping me. I, th I thank God I got Jesus in my life. Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my salvation. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is the one that's in the process of saving me right now. I wonder if we can throw our hands in the air today as we thank God. As we remind ourselves today of what God's done for us. He saved us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation.